So that blanket I got from the you work at smells really weird. Does it? Interesting. I, yeah, it smells like mm, chemicals. <laughs> sure. I mean, we do sometimes at the place that I work, sometimes things get recalled because they have bad chemicals on them. Oh, so I should probably stop sleeping with it, huh? Sleeping with it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's like a real, like, it's cheating on its husband with me. And so is this what Seth meant when he said a natural, normal <laughs> conversation? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. everybody. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm Kyle Imperator. I'm Emily Moyers. That's as natural as it's going to get, Seth, so you're going to have to live with it. Oh, natural. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. I, as I was saying earlier, I made some uh, hummus for me. It wasn't as good as the last time, but, you know, there's highs and lows in life. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, get ready for a high, Kyle. This is going to be a good one right I'm now. stoked. I'm stoked. I'm all beamed up on these... This hummus. <laughs> I got a really good word this week. Oh, please elucidate me. Uh, let me, allow me to elucidate, Kyle. Mm -hmm. Your word this mm -hmm. week mm -hmm. is grok. <gasps> Are you familiar with this word, Kyle? G-R-O-K, grok. No, this is an alien word. <laughs> grok. Grok. How is this a real word? This can't be a real word, Emily. What? <laughs> what is grok? Well, I can't tell you, Kyle. Not yet. Oh, okay, grok, 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 grok. Okay, I mean, I'm going to need to ask for hints. I'm going to need a lifeline. Can I call a friend? I'm your friend, Kyle. You don't need to call any friends. It's me. Oh, that's that's <laughs> great. That's sweet, Emily. What can I, Can you tell me like, what part of speech this is? It is a verb. And I'll tell you more. It is a transitive verb. That is one, the last thing I would have expected <laughs> for the word grok. Yes. <laughs> one groks. And two, I still am trying to understand the difference between verbs. So transitive <laughs> is, give me an example, please, please. So transitive means you grok something. Oh, I gotcha. Or like someone. Yeah. So you could grok someone. You could. I think it's more common to say you grok something. Okay. And I guess the language of origin would be grokian from the planet Grokar? Uh, no, but I'll tell you the language of origin is Martian. What I, happened there, Kyle? You I don't know if you could hear my talking. I don't know if you could hear my brain snap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what's hilarious about that is, first of all, when I said "grok," the first thing you said is, "This is an alien word," and I said, "You're right," um, <laughs> I, but I said it in my head. The second thing that's crazy is when we were recording last week's podcast word. Yes, yes. Before we turned the microphone on, you made a joke that your word was from Mars. 
Yes. And Seth texted me in all caps, crazy. And I had to not say anything because I knew if I said anything, I would have spoiled this. <laughs> I'm exploding right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the language of origin is, you know, it's a new one for the podcast. Uh, it's Martian. How is that even possible? <laughs> okay, let me suss this out. Okay. All right. It can't really be Martian, Emily. All right. You're pulling some kind of one of those one of those mind tricks on me right now, okay? And I'm not gonna let myself be fooled in front of all these people listening. Okay. <laughs> when you say Martian, you mean that it was invented by someone whose last name was Mars. Uh, I'm, <laughs> no. Wait, wait, wait. It comes from the Mars Bars Company. Is it one of, is it a ca- candy no. bar? A, a no. grok bar? <laughs> no, but that's a fun guess. <laughs> that's a good guess, right? Um, one more guess, one more guess, one more guess. Okay. It's the new Marvel villain. It's a verb. Oh, crap. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you forgot that. I literally, I literally have no idea, Emily. (laughs) Do we give in? Yes, please tell me. I'm desperate. So, Kyle, the definition is very nuanced and hard to explain. The simplest Mm -hmm. definition I can give you is to grok is to understand, which I understand. You do not grok at the moment. (laughs) I do not. It sort of is. (laughs) Oh my god. So the. A more nuanced level of is 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 it's to understand something completely in all of its intricacies, or to understand something intuitively or by by empathy rather than on an intellectual level. Okay, <laughs> I get that. I like okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, there's there's more to it, and I'll get into it later. Yeah, but it's, I guess it's, I'm off the bat confused why we need to use the word grok for that. Well, I'll tell you why. It, as I said, comes from Martian. Like Marvin the Martian? Is it from a Looney Tune? <laughs> no, but it is from fiction. Okay. It comes from the 1961 science fiction novel, Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein. Oh. Yes. And uh, Robert A. Heinlein, I feel remiss. I had never heard of him until I started researching this word, but he is a very big sci-fi author. He's considered one of the big three, along with Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote 2001. Okay, sure. Heinlein's most famous book that like people outside of the sci-fi world might have heard of is uh, Starship Troopers. He wrote the book that oh, the movie is based on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize that. I've never seen it, but... Yeah, the book is, as I understand, pretty different from the movie anyway. Isn't Starship Troopers with puppets? No, you're thinking of the Star Kid play Starship, <laughs> <laughs> which is loosely inspired by Starship Troopers Whatever. Also. Same thing. But Heinlein's other very famous work is Stranger in a Strange Land, which won a Hugo Award for Best Novel uh, around when it came out. It mm. was the first sci-fi novel to enter the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This was and it the was, 1960s, you said? Yes, 1961 it came out. Mm. And in the, I think, early 2000s, it was named by the Library of Congress as one of the books that shaped America. Wow. Yeah. And it was a short list. It was 88 books on that list. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was like, how have I never heard of this book? I feel like a stranger in a strange land. 
waiting for waiting to grok <laughs> yeah waiting to grok <laughs> that's that's the play <laughs> waiting to, yeah waiting, waiting to for grok, grok dough <laughs> waiting for grok dough yes yeah. very good <laughs> so stranger in a strange land is a book about a man named valentine michael smith who is a human who was raised by Martians and has now been brought from Mars to Earth. Progressive. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is basically him trying to understand, to grok humanity and the human way of thinking. Oh, um, And then eventually okay. in the back half of the book, it's kind of more about him trying to bring humanity around to the Martian way of thinking. That's really interesting. It is really interesting. And I've got so many questions, but I'm going <laughs> to let you lead the I mean, discussion. <laughs> we could get into it if you want. There's a lot going on in this book. It I, I skimmed through it a little bit. I would love to read it in full because it seems super interesting and fun. Yeah. And as I say, Grok was, was coined in this book and not just like it was scattered in a couple times. Grok is used constantly through the book and is kind of like central to the story because the martian concept of grokking like encapsulates the whole martian culture and like this cultural divide right right so if you if you don't know grok you don't grok the book sure well and like there's a grok on almost every page so you can't you can't get through this book without learning without learning grok i love that new york times blurb there's a grok on every page (laughs) You can't swing a dead cat without hitting the grok. <laughs> so, yeah, the the idea of groking is like, as I said, it kind of encapsulates like the Martian culture and how it differs from Earth culture. And in the book, they're described as being like so foreign to each other that it's like almost impossible for humans to really understand the concept of groking. Sure. So there's like not really like a direct definition of it, but I there are a lot of passages of them like trying to describe it. So I have some quotes here. It's yeah. there's gonna be I'm gonna do a lot of reading right now, but Th- it I, all I, helps. <laughs> I think we will all need this right now to grok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to grok grok. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna try to hone in on what it means here. So there's this section that I pulled all these quotes from where uh, one of the characters in the book, Dr. Mahmood, is explaining the complexity of Martian language. And fun fact, he says, right before this quote, he says that the closest that humans could get is a, quote, pigeon Martian, as in a pigeon language. Oh, funny. (laughs) It's like, that's hilarious. That's really good. Uh, Everybody go listen to Hi Muckamuck. But Dr. Mahmood says, quote, Now take this one word, grok. Its literal meaning, one which I suspect goes back to the origin of the Martian race as thinking, speaking creatures, and which throws light on their whole map, is quite easy. Grok means to drink. But then he goes on to say that grok can also mean a hundred other English words, like to fear or to love or to hate. And he says, quote, For by the Martian map, you cannot possibly hate anything unless you grok it completely, understand it so thoroughly that you merge with it, and it merges with you. Then and only then can you hate it, by hating yourself. But this also implies by necessity that you love it, too, and cherish it, and would not have it otherwise. Then you can hate. It sounds very Avatarian in the James Cameron sense. Don't don't evoke that. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, you know, like being one with everything and it kind of is. Maybe not the blue part. <laughs> not the blue part. <laughs> yes, Dr. Mahmood goes on to say a little further down the page, quote, The Martians seem to know instinctively what we learned painfully from modern physics, that the observer interacts with the observed simply through the process of observation. Grok means to understand so thoroughly that the observer becomes a part of the process being observed, to merge, to blend, to intermarry, to lose personal identity in group experience. And then he pauses and says to the person that he's talking to, if I chopped you up and made a stew oh of God. you. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, oh, God. That, this is me responding as that person in that book. Oh, where is this going? Oh, no, please. It's a bit of a left turn. Uh, he says, Are the you... doors locked? <laughs> he says, you and the stew, whatever else was in it, would grok. And when I ate you, we would grok together and nothing would be lost. And it would not matter which one of us did the chopping up and eating. And the guy he's talking to says, well, it matters to me. <laughs> and he says, well, you're not Martian. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's a very 1960s retort there. <laughs> um, I already so far like love grok. And like, I can see myself using this every day of my life. Right? It's interesting because like the idea of grokking something is like to understand it in a way that like it starts to change how you think about things. And I feel like once you understand grok, like that changes the way that you think about things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I feel like I see the world differently now. I mean, I get like this. Are we going to form a Grok religion? Uh, read the rest of the book, Kyle. Oh, <laughs> they man. Do. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And it is. I mean, what you were saying about Avatar and how it's all about like, you know, being one with everything. That is kind of like how he describes it in the book as well. Yeah. And he, he talks about like he's he's the smith the 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 martian man is constantly trying to understand the human idea of religion and people are trying to explain to him the idea of god and he's like oh i get it god is one who grocks all things and they're like yeah sure i guess and then he's like so if you grok all things thou art god and like thou art god becomes a common like phrase that's repeated in the book oh interesting so he's like giving access to becoming god through grokking i I think i it's it seems to me sort of similar to like the idea of reaching enlightenment reaching nirvana like if you grok all then then thou art god i love that so much it's some it's some hippy dippy stuff it's cool So that's the way that grok is used in the book. But people do use the word grok just outside of science fiction context as well. Um, Do they? Yes, that's the crazy (laughs) thing. Just wait. It is rarely used with like that level of depth and profundity as it's used in the book. And actually, interestingly, as I was skimming through the book, it seemed like the usage of grok seemed to broaden even within the book itself. So, as I was just intimating, it gets to a part in the book where Smith starts a religion, a sort of like a cult, basically, of the Martian way of life. And Uh that involves, uh like, teaching people the Martian language and 
you know, by learning the language, you start to like absorb the Martian way of thinking and the culture and things like that. And so later in the book, there's more people who like understand the concept of Grok and are just you know, using it in conversation a lot. And it seems like they do understand the nuanced meaning of it, but they also just start throwing it around much more casually. Sure. Cause I guess because just like, oh, they all we all know this word, so we can all use it. So they'll right. start saying things like, you know, after they've just explained something, they'll say, you grok, like you understand. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. Or like, they'll say like, oh, I grok, like I get that. I'm, I dig that. I'm with you. <laughs> You know? That's so great. I love yeah. that. So you're saying that as the book goes along, the characters grok grok better? Yes, truly. So <laughs> so could you say that Heinlein grokking grok more as he wrote about grok influenced his perception of grok? Uh, it's my a brain started to I think. unfold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. It is also, I feel like, I don't know if this was intentional or not, I was feeling like it's hard to tell how much each character really, like if they're using Grok in the right way, or if they're right. just kind of going along with everybody else. Because like, there's certain characters that have a very close relationship with Smith and ha- like you feel like, oh yeah, she has truly grokked Grok because like she's been in this for a long time. But then there are other characters that kind of coming into it late and are a little bit like hesitant and you're like, I don't know if he grokes Grok. I mean, I tell me if I'm reading this correctly. Is this is this book a race allegory? <laughs> so Heinlein was not writing it with the intention of being like, this is how I think the world should be. But he was writing it with the intention of like, I want you to question the way the world is. And I think that is sort of where like the Martian as the outsider comes in because Smith is coming in as like a very intelligent being, but who knows nothing about Earth culture and is like constantly trying to grasp things that are very complicated and foreign to him. Really cool. Like what a what a cool thing to just even think up. Yeah. To imagine for Heinlein's part. Heinlein? Yeah. Heinlein. Yeah. Looking at it, my instinct would have been to read it as Heinlein, but it is Heinlein. Okay. And I mean, he's not a peach as a as a guy. We could oh. get into it, but Oh gosh. You know, <laughs> like Starship Troopers in particular, the movie Starship Troopers is like a satirical look at militarism, but the book is more just like, hey look, militarism. <laughs> oh that's that's interesting okay i wonder hmm. oh now i gotta read all this and try and (laughs) figure this out for myself but maybe we don't grok starship troopers emily you know it's true maybe we don't grok heinlein either but i i do think i grok grok so i i mean i think you do too (laughs) has this ever been adapted into a film it has not i think there was like an attempt at one point and it didn't come together Um, no operatic adaptation yeah although people have speculated that the movie the man who fell to earth is like sort of loosely like in this vein that i mean i've never seen that movie but based on that title sure yeah yeah i mean it's about an alien on earth but it, plot wise it's very different but like conceptually it's the same but i mean i guess you could just say that's what superman's about <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> but he assimilated pretty darn quickly 
Yeah, it's true. But getting back to Grok, like I said, it's it's been used outside of a sci-fi context. Initially, it was actually adopted by like 60s counterculture, like hippie culture. Okay, um, yeah, I and can I, see that. I think it's because like the religion in the book that Smith starts is very like free love, world peace, commune sure. with your fellow man. So it like sure. it vibes. <laughs> yeah. It was used in particular in the book The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which I don't know uh, if you're familiar. No, what book is that? <laughs> it's a famous nonfiction book by Tom Wolfe from the late 60s. It was sort of like a travel journal almost of the real life electric mayhem. <laughs> you said the real life one and now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> really just that they traveled around in a psychedelically painted school bus. <laughs> oh, I see. I thought you were saying literally a real no, life no, no. band called the electric mayhem. No, no, no. And I was, I was like, speaking what? allegorically. <laughs> okay, I see. No, author Ken Kesey and a bunch of his friends who went under the name The Merry Pranksters were crisscrossing the country doing happenings of everybody doing psychedelic drugs called acid tests, which was like Kool-Aid laced with LSD. Oh. And that's why it's the electric Kool-Aid acid test. So it's, it's, so it's okay, I get you. You said nonfiction, it, uh, literally about this thing that yes, happened. No, this it was thing the, happened? these, thing, these, oh my these God. travels. Yes. Um, and it's the book talks about like their drug experiences and their encounters with the Grateful Dead and Allen Ginsberg and the Hell's Angels. Sure, sure, sure. It's like a big work in hippie culture and also like beat literature. And Grok is used a lot in this book? It is. It's used a lot in this book. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> it just, again, like a grok on every page. <laughs> but he uses it a lot in the phrase to grok over something. And it seems like to grok over something, it seems to mean like to vibe with something, like to to dig it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm I'm trying to draw the connection in my brain. If grok means to drink for Martians... Then it could be like to like drink it all in, you know? Like, yeah. So I've like got a to... quote here from oh, yeah. uh, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. Ken Kesey is talking about his meeting the Hell's Angels. And he says, I asked Sonny Barger how he picks new members, new angels. And he told me, we don't pick them. We recognize them. And everybody grokked ooh. over that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so cool right i feel like i feel like when he describes it like that i know what it i yeah. know what he means when he says everybody grokked over that uh, yeah i i grok over that yeah. you know like you're in your circle of friends and somebody says something and everybody's like oh yeah yeah <laughs> like oh, amen man, man. i a dig amen. it i grok over that yeah yeah <laughs> So he uses it a lot in that sense. Yeah, I love the idea that, like, I guess just for a short period in the 60s, everybody had read this book. I think so. You know? <laughs> it just became a word that everybody knew, just suddenly. <laughs> like, it wasn't a word, and then it was. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like suddenly is probably the best way for a word to become a word. <laughs> Um, and also the best way to die. Uh, but that's a separate thing. Kyle's talking about his own death all night. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Spontaneous combustion. Come on. Wolf also uses the word grokable in the electric Kool-Aid acid mm. test, which I feel See, like I is a great, like 
great conjugation of this word. <laughs> I don't like that as much. <laughs> he says he says he's describing this camp in the slums in California, and he uses the phrase huge lace works of interlocked pop top rings off beer cans, billowing in such groovy silvery ripples of grockable reflections. I was like, I man. Mean, I'm floating out of Smaragdon Sea. I was floating out of Smaragdon Sea, man. That is groovy, grockable, Brad, dude. I was like, I love grockable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess in that context, that's like really painterly the way he described that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, not only was grok not a word and then suddenly was a word, but it was a sci fi word and then was suddenly a hippie word. Yeah. And clearly could be used in a lot of different contexts, could be taken out of context and used for a lot of different reasons, which is Well, I think because it's used in so many different ways in the book. Sure. Like, because the meaning is like so deep, you can use it in a million different ways and it still makes sense in the way that Heinlein described it. And this is from Mars, huh? And this is from Mars. (laughs) And believe it or not, Grok has been used pretty consistently over the past several decades like it still gets used in just normal speech and writing i see i am definitely on the or not side of of believe it or not (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna need some receipts Um, for this (laughs) yes it's it's primarily used in like the definitions i gave at the top like just to understand completely and intuitively okay yeah yeah it is used a lot in particular in the world of computer programming okay which does make sense firstly because like sci-fi and computer culture are very closely linked absolutely but secondly because i feel like grok has exactly the right sound for programmer jargon programmers yes absolutely (laughs) it's like exactly the mouth feel they want (laughs) like i'm gonna grok in (laughs) I'm going to grok in, guys. Oh, no. Oh, God. (laughs) Peter's been on too many benders. (laughs) This has nothing Um. to do with computer programming. This is just what happens when computer programmers go at it too long. (laughs) No, but I do have a quote that is kind of angry. Oh. (laughs) I have a quote from a tech magazine from 1984 from the magazine InfoWorld. I don't know what the context from the book nineteen eighty four. No, from the year. <laughs> I know. I couldn't find like a copy of the actual issue, so I don't have any context for this quote. But whoever is speaking says there isn't any software, only different internal states of hardware. It's all hardware. It's a shame programmers don't grok that better. Don't grok that better. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is truly a shame, you know. Yes. If only, if only they had grokked that better, they wouldn't be going grok mode all the time what did you say earlier <laughs> going grok mode. no i like what you said i'm going grok <laughs> oh god what, what do they do they just turn into a martian you think yes they just turn uh it's there's really not much of a noticeable difference <laughs> oh emily come on there's going to be a lot of computer programmers that listen to our podcast, and I think you knew. Oh no, I was saying to me apology. like Martians look like humans. I I just realized yeah, how that came. Okay, up. I'd like to apologize sure. to all our computer programmer listeners. <laughs> I'm going grok. <laughs> That's what they're all saying right now. 
<laughs> in reference to what you said about them. <laughs> oh God, I love that. It's like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's used a lot to me. Like if you grok a programming language, like you understand it on a really like fundamental level and you're like you think in the way that that programming language wants you to think. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's a very versatile word, not just because it's flexible, like in meaning, but because I feel like it actually does describe something that the human language doesn't really have a word for. Yeah. And it, it gets used. I've got loads of just random quotes from uh, one of the dictionary websites I looked at had a bunch of examples of it being used in like New York Times articles, Washington Post articles, mm-hmm. all from like within the past five or 10 years. Like it's being used now all the time, which is crazy that, to me. That is crazy. Because I've never seen it. <laughs> never seen it. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull one up. Even with their enormous amount of talent and capital, they can't get consumers to grok that Google is associated with things other than search. That's from Forbes, April 8th, 2015. Wow. And it's true. And it is true. What a good usage of that. (laughs) It really is like an inception thing. Like the more you grok something, the more you grok grokking. And then you just, you are grok. And then. Thou art God. Thou art God. (laughs) Thou art God. Yeah. That's what I love about this word. It's like. First of all, one that you are somehow likely to come across out in the world. I'm shocked that I never have. Yeah, I'm keeping an ear out for it forever now, I think. And it's a word that's really useful to use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking of all the contexts that I could put it towards. Well, uh, you know, Kyle. Oh, I did. Is why am don't I going to be quizzed on you, a context? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Prove that you grok grok by using it. Oh, in a sentence. In a sentence. Okay. Um. And I guess the sentence "I'm going grok" doesn't work. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. Okay. So in theater, in order to be able to be a good actor, one must grok their character. Yeah, that is spot on. You've grokked it. Yeah, I love grok, Emily. I'm. I'm a. Did. A, did the grok religion have a name? I did. It's called the Church of All Worlds. And oh. people have tried to start it in the real world, but there were some controversies involved, so I didn't want to get into it. <laughs> oh, like cult type things? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, everything leads to a cult eventually, right? It's true, you know? You can't escape. And when you it's start really off true. with the name Church of All Worlds, it's yeah. just risky. <laughs> it is. You're not starting out on good footing, you know? <laughs> Definitely an attack right from the beginning, <laughs> right from the title, Church of All Worlds. Uh, let's play a minigame. So Kyle, grok, of course, is one of many words invented in science fiction stories. Yes. Um, albeit not all sci-fi words have become so well used outside of their genre. Sure, uh, but sure, sure. These words are still fun, nonetheless. So with that in mind, today's minigame is called Technobabble. Oh. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to describe to you a term from science fiction, and all you got to do is tell me the word. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think these are kind of going to be either you know it or you don't. So if you don't know it, feel free to just make it up. You mean if I don't grok it? If you don't grok it. (laughs) 
thank you. All right, Kyle, your first clue. Originating in a 1931 issue of Amazing Stories Quarterly, but popularized by its use in the 1977 film Star Wars, this is a drive that allows a spaceship to travel faster than light. Mm. It's been a while since I've watched Star Wars. I'm going to know it as soon as you say it. (laughs) Uh, It's warp speed. That's the one from Star Trek, but close. Light speed? No. Uh, Speed it up, Chewie. (laughs) We're we're, we're going hyperdrive. (laughs) Or hyperspeed, yeah. Oh, 1930s, huh? Yes, originally, yeah. That's a lot older than I would have expected. Yeah, so warp drive or warp speed is the one that's used a lot in Star Trek, but Star Mm, Wars mm. tends to say hyperdrive or hyperspace. Okay, cool. All right. They get a little more obscure as we go along, so watch out. Oh, good. So that was my best (laughs) chance of getting one right. It's going to get worse from here. Uh, Thank you for warning me. You might know this one. Originating from the 1982 film Blade Runner, a bioengineered humanoid who can be discerned from real humans using the Voight-Kampff test. Oh, I know this. I know this. Oh, it's like a really common word. They're mimics. They're fakes. They're... You're on the right track. (sighs) It's like a word that means like a copy. Yeah. Duplicate. Dup. Really, really close. (laughs) I I know I am. Duplicant. I can't remember. You are right on top of it, Kyle. Replicant. Replicant. You got it. You got it. Oh, I got it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And interestingly, I didn't know this until today. I was today years old. Replicant, the word is not used in the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? It's from the movie specifically. Wow. I mean, really good term. It's really stuck on. Yes. But I mean, it was a famous movie. One of the screenwriters came up with it. But in the book, they were just androids. I love that. Yeah. Next one, Kyle. Originating from the works of Isaac Asimov, a robot's Mm -hmm. CPU, which provides them a form of consciousness similar to humans. Are you telling me it's motherboard? No. I was going to say. More more sci-fi-y. This one was also used in Star Trek. Oh, world brain. It is something brain. Brain. No, no, something brain. (laughs) Something brain. (laughs) Grok brain. No. Wire brain. I don't know. (laughs) Scatter brain. Positronic brain. I've never heard of that before in my life. It's from a real concept. The positron, which is a particle, had just been discovered at the time that Isaac Asimov was writing his robot books. And he was like, oh, that's a good good techno word. So I'll just use that. (laughs) All right. Next one, Kyle. I've got two more. Mm-hmm. Originating from the 1956 Philip K. Dick novella, The Minority Report, a being mm. who can foresee murders before they happen. Mm. I am definitely going to know this Probably. when you tell me, but I'm not going to know it offhand. A zoomy geist. A zoomy geist is really close. The answer we were looking for was precog. <laughs> precog precog yeah. short for precognitor i think yeah where did i i've read that somewhere it was used in something else sci-fi yeah. language is like really fun and good to use in other things there are some fun ones this last one is particularly fun kyle originating in the robert a Heinlein short story of the oh. same name a mechanical oh. arm that a human can operate remotely 
like a crane game arm would be an example of this. Oh, are those? Is this an actual name for it in real life? Is what we call it? Now? This is one of the names for a real life thing. It has a more formal name, but this was the, the first claw. Name for it. <laughs> no, it's actually called a Waldo. What? And Robert A. Heinlein like didn't invent it in real life, but he wrote about it before it existed. Wild. Yeah. Oh, that's freaky. Yeah. And the short story is called Waldo and it's about a man whose first name is Waldo who I think is like crippled or chair bound and he like can't do things, so he creates all these inventions to help him do things. And one of the things he invents is like mechanical arms. And he calls it the Waldo or the real life arm is called the Waldo after the book? Both. Wow. Love yeah. that. Uh, Heinlein also wrote about the waterbed before it existed. That's just a, wild. Uh, just a quick aside. <laughs> That's wild. Just, I had to get that in there. Literally, <laughs> the guy who actually created the waterbed, Charles Hall, was denied his first patent application <gasps> because what he brought was too similar to what Heinlein had already written about in his books. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, imagine inventing something and being like, sorry, sci-fi got to it before you. <laughs> And Truly. be like, yeah, but they didn't actually invent it. They just <laughs> talked about it. Like, yeah, but there's prior art, so get out. <laughs> Insane. Emily, yeah. uh, sci-fi is so much fun. We've got to talk about more sci-fi words here on the podcast. This was a great episode. Oh, and thanks, I, f man. I really was. And I feel like I grok all about grok now. And I'm going to use that word for the rest of my days. Nice. And here's hoping you all grok grok too. Yes. Please grok grok with us. And <laughs> while you're while you're grokking, remember <laughs> that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, and I think you might have, honestly, <laughs> consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout-out, either on social media or right here on on the podcast yeah so thank you so much to all of you who help us make what we make and grok what we grok <laughs> grok what we grok <laughs> and with that i have been emily moyers and i've been kyle imperator and this has <laughs> been butter no parsnips bye-bye <laughs>Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.